Coaches Impact podcast, our mission is to get better OADB. That's right, on a daily basis. The Coaches Impact is the X's and O's of personal and professional growth. We'll talk about character, standards of excellence, core values, mindset, leadership, and many other topics on our way to living a growth mindset. Together, we'll embark on the journey of getting 1% better every day. Get ready to be inspired and gain insights into the power of coaching and the importance of cultivating a growth mindset. Get ready to broaden your impact. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Coaches Impact Podcast. We've got another great one for you today. I'm your host, Jay Zeller. We're going to talk about interview preparation, core values, taking the lead athletic role in a new district, and then off-season programming. Joining us today is Mike Ludlow, the AD and head football coach for the White Oak Roughnecks. Welcome to the show, Coach Ludlow. Hey, thanks, Coach Zeller. It's an honor to jump on with you and always a pleasure to visit you. Yeah, man, appreciate it. And appreciate you carving out some time and, and talking with us. So this is going to be a good one. We're going to talk about a few different things that uh, kind of your strong suit. And I've got to see firsthand. So uh, I think it's going to make for an interesting <laughs> conversation all around. And uh, who knows where we, we may have a couple little offshoots here and there. But uh, let's dive right in. Uh, Coach Ludlow, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career up to this point at White Oak. Yeah, so uh, this is my 18th year of coaching. Um, you know, this is my third head coaching job. I'd been a head coach at a, at a 3A school, Grand Slam, in the past, and I was head coach at Robinson. Um, coming back to White Oak, coming here was kind of like coming home for me. You know, it was a uh, – I'm from East Texas. Grew up in Beckville, so about 40 minutes from here. But uh, throughout my career, you know, I've, I've had the honor of coaching at some large schools and, and being in some some uh, some very large districts, and I've had the honor of being in some small districts. And there's – man, there is – good and bad there is easy and tough there's a little bit of everything in both those but no matter what um, there's been an abundance of learning opportunities that have been involved in that and I've really 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 gotten lucky through my career to uh, work with some guys who I would consider to be you know great builders and 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 guys who try to do things the right way and be mentored by those guys and um, you know just in that aspect shout out to guys like Randy Jackson Jerry Stanford Clint Harper um, Bill Patterson Vicky Meeks when when he was still alive you know he a legend in East Texas as well, but just being around those guys in that 18 years that I've been coaching, I feel like it's been more of a um, soak in as much as I can because just being blessed to be around those type of people. Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. Hey, remind me, were you were you at Grapevine High School with Randy? Yeah, we actually went in there together. So okay, when he took when, that job. I'd gone with him. When when did you leave uh, Grapevine? I'm trying to I'm trying to piece. Did did we cross paths when I was in the athletic office? I don't recall. No, I think you came in right after I left. Okay. You came in right after I left right there. So you came in with Randy, and then I was that I think that was the year that I went and was the AP at Colleyville Heritage uh, before moving over into the athletic office. So, okay. Yeah, I think you're right. I think okay. you're right. It was just we were on opposite sides of the world, so we were kind of dueling at that time with the whole Grapevine Colleyville thing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was a whole thing. <laughs> that that was uh oh my goodness that the red that was the year we had the kids run out on the field yeah yeah that that was 
forgot about that. The uh, the red written down our sideline. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I, that was my first year to ever experience anything like that, and then uh, it kind of almost became the norm. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> uh, the red rail rivalry. Say that That's three right. times fast, but m- man, it was. It was the annual game between Grapevine and, and Colleyville Heritage, and if it wasn't a district game, um, then it was always a non-district game. And right, most of my time there, it was it was a non-district game because uh, Grapevine moved down from six A to five A. Colleyville stayed six A for I think just one alignment, might have been two, uh, and then as Colleyville Heritage moved down to 5A Division One. Grapevine moved down to uh, 5A Division Two, I believe. So it, yeah, all, it always kind of kept, kept, yeah, it just kept missing each other in the district games. But one thing that Brian and I did was we flipped the Red Rail game when it was non-district to week one. We were getting it done over with uh, early. <laughs> like, no, it, it's we're doing that coming out of the gate. Now I think they're in district together um, in, yeah. in D2, but... Yeah, that's man. You want to talk about homecoming as far as you know, stadium manager uh, management goes, and and being a prep. Homecoming is nothing. Like I do that, you know, ten times a year versus one red rail. Now they were fun because they you would it'd be the only time all year you'd pack that house. But <laughs> the stuff during that week, um, you'll remember some of the the pranks back and forth, and oh it, gosh, it, it, it was just a whole week of just nonsense. But you know kids had fun i mean i think by and large it was harmless fun um did have to paint some fields and (laughs) uh remove some some graffiti but that was the worst of it and then the friday night streaker uh was yeah the friday night streaker just next level so (laughs) yeah yeah no it's about big games like that yeah what uh i guess i'm gonna get to experience here too is an interesting thing about this one in white oak is they um they only do homecoming once every three years here. It's an interesting deal. Oh. And when I started asking about why, it's way back in the day when um when they were sending kids off to to World War II and all, they said that we're not, you know, until we get our batch of kids back, we're not going to have another homecoming. Oh wow! And it was three years between the time they left and the time they came back. So from then on, they haven't had a homecoming but once every three years, and it's a shut the town down for a week type deal. I so bet. I'll get to experience that here. Yeah, that'll uh, that would be a cool experience. I, I man, I with the history behind that, and I, I'm sure they do something. But if not, man, what an opportunity to to bring kind of historical perspective and kind of uh, you know thanking our local veterans type of thing. No uh, doubt. So that that would be really cool to one highlight every year. The reason we're doing this and it's just kind of our remembrance week. But then to kind of blow it up and, and bring veterans in uh, with that background mm-hmm. would would be really special. Um, yeah, that's cool. I have to follow up with you on that. The, we're already in the planning phases as far as adding it and all for next year, you know, because of everything that goes on with it. So yeah, we're uh, it's it's a year ahead of time, and we're already trying to figure it out, and we don't even know what date it'll be yet, you know. Yeah, gotcha. Hey, so real quick before we move on, you mentioned you know you're you're a white oak. And, you know, you're about 40, 45 minutes for your home in Beckville. Yes. 
Okay, so give us some give us some big city directions. Where what are you closest to? How far away from from you, or how far away are you from the the next largest town that we might know? So we're actually uh, White Oak is actually a little community just on the west side of uh, Longview. Okay, um, here in East Texas, uh, we're about you know forty minutes from Tyler. Uh, take about an hour and forty five minutes to get over to Dallas. Okay, so. It's uh, we're we're just over here about an hour from Shreveport, Louisiana, down on twenty. All right, how far north of twenty are you? Oh, we're basically right off of uh, right off of twenty here. Oh, we're okay. not far off of it at all. Highway eighty runs through town, uh, runs through White Oak right here. Gotcha. And you can go about ten minutes south of there and be on twenty. Gotcha. All right, good deal. But between Tyler and Longview, but closer to the Longview side. Yeah, yeah, we're we're literally. I can be. I can be in Longview in about five minutes. Okay, um, I got Tyler's going to be about Tyler's going to be about forty minutes for me. Okay, all right. Well, that's good to know. I knew you were out in East Texas, yeah. but man, East Texas is like what you know, north, south, whatever. I, <laughs> I knew you were. I thought you were more north East Texas, but I didn't know exactly where. Uh, so that gives everybody yeah, a good, you know frame of reference. We're like what we call we're what we like to call behind the piney curtain out here. <laughs> Yeah, yes, you are. Uh, well, I grew up, I don't know if you know this, I grew up and graduated from Brownsboro. So I'm familiar. I just, you know, I didn't, you know, we never in district play or even in our non-district really went past Lindale, Chapel Hill, Kilgore area, which isn't too far from you, yeah. but, but we would no. have gone up in there. Maybe Gladewater. Um, yeah, Gladewater's but, not far at all. Okay. All right. They're actually in our district. They're about eight to 10 minutes west of us. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, let's get started. And I think I want to start off with growth mindset. Um, Outside of just the football X's and O's, what are a few ways that you continue to grow and then, you know, personally continue to grow? And then as the, you know, the, the new head football coach and athletic director, what are some, some ways that you try and grow your staff? Yeah, so um, it's been kind of fast and furious since I came in, and there's a lot of things we're going to be building on here as we go. But uh, you know, some of the some of the things outside of all of it is I I don't like to get caught in my own little bubble where all I know is what's going on around here. You know, there's what we want to do is we want to get out and visit. We want to find our areas of weakness, um, identify our areas of weakness, and we want to be able to try to address those and make them become a strength. So. We'll find other programs, other staffs that are doing things well that we may be trying to uh, get better at, and we'll make sure we go visit. You know, connection is such a big part in our business. Um, these jobs is these jobs are, are are one to where if you're not if you're not growing, you're dying. I mean, there's yeah. really no in between. So we're we're constantly trying to find people that are doing things better than us and going to visit with them. You know, and then in the same aspect, be willing to share that wealth when someone comes our way as well. You know, everyone can talk about clinics, things like that, but. Um, as a little plug here too, I know something that you're real familiar with is the uh, was the Elite Coaches Mastermind Group with all the videos in the vault and everything yeah. else. There's there's so many good life perspectives and and perspectives from other other places, other people that that deal with things that either a they may be similarities to yours or b they may be differences in yours, but you can learn from every single one of them. So that Elite Coaches Mastermind, you know, um, has been good for me. Uh, Self reflection, things like that, where we may do autopsies at the end of a end of a um a season or a phase or something like that to where we go back and we look and we really get dig in and get some good hard cold data of what's worked for us and what hasn't and an autopsy you know it's like 
you think of it as someone dies, you find out what went wrong. Yeah. And that's basically what it is. You know, you're finding out what went wrong so we can address it. So it doesn't happen again in the future. So we'll, we'll autopsy programs. Um, as far as going into like, even with the players, uh, we, you know, to grow, I think you, if all you do is think about yourself and your staff, you're wrong. Um, you have to know what's going on with your players. You have to know what's going on inside your program. You have to know what's going on with the kids outside of the sport. Mm-hmm. So we do things like a um, sending out forms to our team. Like we just got done doing an end of year player's voice that we do with our kids where we give them a chance to where, you know, how kids are nowadays. It's such a social media driven age. Yeah. And sometimes it's easy for that kid. It's easier for them to put that into a document or to fill out a Google form or something yeah. than it is for them to sit there and have a conversation with you straight on. Yeah. So we do that end of the year player's voice and get their ideas on everything from practices to how we can bring the school closer together, the community closer together, things that we can do within our program. Where do they think the weaknesses are? I even ask them things like our core values that we build in, which I know we'll probably talk about later. Um, we talk about which which assistant coach do we have that best represents that core value, and they actually mm. you know, vote on the assistant coach or that they feel like best represents that core value and the um, coach that they'd be willing to basically lay in traffic for, you know. And so it's it's one of those things where it's it's good reflection and good look too, because it creates some some hard conversations sometimes, but that's good reflection for coaches too, and yeah. to know exactly where they're they're falling in at, you know, and doing exit interviews with the kids, doing exit interviews with the coaches and at different points during the year, you know, having your, you're having your, um, your head coaches meetings, your staff meetings, and then you're doing, we do things like start, stop and continue. What are some things that we're not doing that we feel like would grow the program that we need to start doing? What are some things we are doing that we feel like aren't really helping us? If, if they're not really helping us, let's stop them. Hmm. And what are some things that are really, really good that we need to keep growing on? And that's our continue. And being able to do start, stop, continue with both the coaches and the kids, I think kind of helps you grow in those areas as well. And it relates back to that autopsy I was talking about. Yeah, man, that's, <laughs> uh, that is, that is such good stuff, man. Uh, let me ask you about the, the player's voice. Cause I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, do you do that in a Google form? Yes, I do. So there's a couple of things we do at the end of the year to where, where we, um, we have meetings about certain things. And we had, during that meeting, we, we have like, I, I hate to go into like long-term, long talk here on this, but within that last meeting there, that player's voice, uh, that when we do it, the first thing we do before we do all that is like our seniors, we, we want to talk to them one last time. And we've already gone through meetings with them and we have them make cards where they write out like what their jersey and what that number meant to them. Like, what does this jersey mean to you? And what do you want that number to represent to the next person that gets it? Mm-hmm. And when they fill out those cards, they pin them on their jerseys. And we have all the jerseys up front. So wow. while all that's up there for reflection, we give out our player's voice for all of our kids to go in and, and fill out. And it's literally on a Google form where it'll document all those answers for me. And um, I can I can compile them right there into spreadsheets pretty easily. But um, like on that player's voice, there's questions like, who do you think was the best teammate this year and why? It's not always who you liked and it's not always a friend. Um, name two players that you think paid the price both in season and out um, and gave everything they had for the team. Please don't just pick a friend, you know, favorite memory. Then it goes into which which assistant coach would you run through a brick wall for? Uh, who was your position coach and how did it feel to be coached by him? Who was your defensive position coach and how did it feel to be coached by him? Which, which assistant coach best represents core value, that core value? Wow. Um, areas to address in our program to make it better, both in school and out of school, both in the community and within our locker room. Because the way we talk about our locker room is 
like in our program, literally in one of our definitions of our core values, it says that it says our team is a brotherhood, not a neighborhood. So we talk about that and we go back to start finding ways we can do that. And we ask them how the staff can help them in the long term. There's just a bunch of different questions like that that we go into yeah. and we give them a chance to really voice it. And man, there's some really good stuff that comes out of that. And then once everyone fills that form out, um, you know, that's when the seniors, they, they get up, they, they get to say one last thing. And they, as far as they tell them, you know, when they were a sophomore and weren't thinking about their last game, like, give them a charge, some encouragement, what they wish they knew they knew then that they know now. And then we celebrate the heck out of those guys as they walk out and hang their jersey on the rack for one last time. And that card's on it and no one touches that jersey again until the kid gets it the next year. Mm. And the kid who takes over that number the next year hangs that card on the wall on their locker. And anytime they're not representing it, we go meet around that card. And wow. we go back to it. So um, it, all that stuff kind of goes together in that last one. So we can have some some good feedback from the kids and kind of tie things together. Yeah. And we have some fun with coaches impersonations in that meeting too. But, <laughs> yeah, know, that's good. We um, those those are always good. Yeah, uh, yeah, Man, stuff I like love that, that. I think needs to be heard. Yeah, I think I think kids got to have a voice. It's not their program if you don't give them a chance to have a voice in it. Yeah. So let me ask you this: I'm getting on a get off topic, like I said I would, and I'm on question two. But <laughs> what it really is question one because question one is who are you? Um, but this is so good. I think this is the point of, of the coach's impact. Um, okay, so you, you're the head football coach, and you're also the athletic director. So what I'm hearing you say is from a football perspective, in the football program, you do that voice. How or do you, uh, and, and I guess, do you replicate that uh, across all sports? And then if so, how and, it, it, you know, and this is year one for you. So do you, and yeah. how well, well received is it? So did you do it for volleyball as well? Or is this just a football piece right now? And, and then you're hoping that your other coaches grow into it. Well, I, I think that it's not just going to be hoping they grow into it. Um, you know, when I came in, I didn't really have time to impart a bunch of stuff at the end of last year. Cause yeah. it was spring break when I came in, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, and it's been fast and furious with everything this year coming in. So, with, uh, with the fact of it being, I did not tell my coaches they had to do a player's voice this year. Uh, I will recommend exit interviews, things like that, and kind of let them handle that. Moving forward, it will be an expectation after this year. Okay. You know, that within your program, you have a player's voice that you can – within your program, you have a player's voice that you can get that information back in because after a season's over, I'm going to meet with a coach. I'm going to meet with a head coach once I give them a couple weeks to reflect when the season's over. And I'm going to ask them a bunch of questions and they're going to have a hard time answering some of those questions if they haven't spent the time to either, to do a couple things, you know, to build relationships with their kids and know them outside of just being their athlete. And if they haven't got that voice back of what they need to do to alter things in the future and all they're doing is just giving me a bunch of their own ideas instead of, you know, what they're, what's really going to fit our kids, then, then we have an issue, you know? Yeah. So we've got to, um, we've got to be able to be, make sure that we're getting that feedback because, you're going to hear me say this later too, but I fully believe that coaches can give the expectations of a program, but the kids are going to truly be the ones that drive the standards home. Hmm. They're truly going to be the ones that drive standards home. The coaches are always going to have the expectations. So good. Well, I'm going to keep following up with you on that because I love that idea. And I would imagine that you're going to get some requests for that document. I can't imagine that I'm the only one that likes yep. that. So. 
<laughs> Fair warning. Uh, my guess is, well, especially we, with it being early in, in the, our businesses, can what can I steal? So, yeah, yeah that's good stuff. Yeah. yeah, everything in our business is either borrowed or stolen. Man. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, so let's let's shift gears because I, I think we can make a podcast out of that whole question and and the extensions off of it. I don't even think I know we could. Yes. So um, <laughs> let's move on. And we may have to do a part two at some point <laughs> uh, down the line at the end of the year or summer, maybe as you're going into year two. Because uh, I'm curious about it from it. the AD perspective and not so much from, you know, the head football coach or the head volleyball uh, coach or, you know, all those expectations. I, I, I clearly see the value there. Uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, intrigued right now from my level um which is the second piece that you'll be considering uh once you extend this you know to to the other programs so um so yeah we we, right. we, we have to part two this one um yeah there's there's a lot of extensions off of it i mean all the way up to building your leadership council and finding the ones who truly will speak up you know the ones that truly do have the best interest of their teammates in mind so there's a lot of things that come off of it yeah yeah so uh couple years ago a few years ago now uh, i interviewed you for a head football position talk about what goes into your decision to apply for a job and then talk about the preparation once you have applied yeah so i think coaches in general really have they really have two reasons when you boil it down to why they apply for a job or why they they are interested in a certain job. And I think those two reasons are either intrigue or familiarity, right? I think that they're either intrigued by the opportunity, they're intrigued by the place, they're intrigued by the, you know, the group of kids that are coming up, or there's a familiarity with it where you, maybe you maybe you have admin in there that you know that you trust, maybe it's, uh, it's close to home. You know, I think it falls into one of those two areas generally. It's either intrigue or familiarity. And once you once you decide that you've got one of those two areas and you decide to put in, I think the big thing is, is, um, you know, you can find out real quick whether you need to stay in on a job or not with how you feel about it when you're really looking into the research of it, of, of what you're going to talk about, what you want to look at, the vision of the program. Um, I think you really find out whether you want to stay in or not by how excited you are about what you're researching. And I think you, I think in the sense of it, you research everything. And when I say everything, I don't just mean like numbers or school specifics or things like that. I mean, all the way down to like, from the very first step, like I'm going to do research on the people on the committee. You know, I want to find out, I want to find out what type of people they are, what their interests have been, what they've done in the past, what their mindset is, and kind of gives you a look into what's going to be the driving force for them a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also want to do that. Look at the history of the school and the town, because everywhere you go, there's going to be a multitude of people inside that place that either A, have been there or B, have a very, very strong connection to it. And in both senses, that place means the world to them. And if you don't go in understanding what is important to the people in that place, you're going to have a really hard time connecting to the school, the community, to, to the people there in, in general, right? So I feel like you have to really dig into the history of it and what, what they, what's important. And you can find that out by looking, on, by looking on like the city websites and finding out what type of festivals they have or what type of days they have or different things like that even, you know. Um, different things the school celebrates uh, if there's programs that they really dig into and you see them posting about all the time um, that they're hanging their hat on you know like you can really find out in a hurry when you start researching all that stuff 
you got to know what's important to the community, like I said. But, I, I mean, I can't, I can't say this enough. You know, this is a big one. You better research the administration team that you're going to be working with and for. Yeah. Because the bottom line is, is that's the people you're going to be working with on a daily basis. And when you do that, you need to make sure that your your vision and their wants and willingness are going to align with each other. And if that if your want if your your vision and their want and willingness isn't necessarily going to align, it's not going to work. Um, no matter how bad you think you want to be in that spot, if it doesn't happen like that, it's not going to work. So, you know, I've. I've seen a lot of different situations and some tough, some, some great, but you better make sure that you and the admin are going to be on the same page when it comes to your vision, aligning with their want and their willingness. And uh, that's what I would say about white Oak right now is, man, I've, I've got a, a awesome admin team here. Awesome yeah. admin team. You know, and we honestly, we have a bunch of people on our admin team here that have, they come from athletic backgrounds. So for me and my boat, it makes it a little bit easier because they understand the, what we would call the daily fist fight that we're going through all the time, you know, to try to get everything from, from culture to, to stand to the academic standards, to the standards outside of it, to building young men and women to be future members because uh, contributors to society and good family members and everything else like that. They, they kind of get that. And, and I'm, I'm honored to have the group I have here and it's kind of been a, it's been a breath of fresh air a little bit with some of the people I've had around just like every day. Mike, we got you what you need, what you need. Come talk to us. Tell us what you need. We got you. And just that constant, that constant reminder and that constant backup is it's needed at times, you know? Yep. Absolutely. And you, you, you know, hit the nail on the head is, you know, and it works both ways. It's not just for the, you know, in your case, head football coach, athletic director. Um, you know, if that, if you don't have that connection piece with the athletic director first, for example, you know, it, it makes our two lives difficult. You know, if, yes. if we're, if we're pulling opposite directions, you want one thing and, and I have a different vision. It, uh, it, it's difficult for you, but it's also difficult for me. And so th- there's, you mm-hmm. know, when you, when you are searching for a job, uh, you should be uh, extremely intentional as you just pointed out. But as I'm looking for a candidate, I should also be extremely intentional. And so there's a reason I'm asking these questions. And, um, and I think the, the listeners will see as we work through. Did, and let me ask you this. Oh, no, we did. You and I both did a half uh, episode on, on the Elite Mastermind. Uh, that, do you remember when that would have been? Yeah. Was that 20? Yeah, that, uh, that would have been early spring of 22, I believe. 21? No, because I, I left. It? I left not long after. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I don't think. It was 22 because yeah, I, I, I moved yeah. to Brazosport IST in May of 22. Uh, I hired you in December of 21. Yeah. I, my bad, man. I, I, just, so. I just need you to know that I, I still have abandonment. <laughs> I still have abandonment issues from that, Jay. Well, I still have so, your, I still have your, so you your know. mug. So you're with the, with your, yes. with your juice. Uh, it's not blue anymore. Uh, yes it, it did go clear no but no, it's uh, not. i do still have that yeah, in my office i can i have proof uh anyway i will tell you that it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's my fault um episode three part three yeah it could, could very well be um <laughs> sorry um but it, it, it is so important uh for both people and i will tell you 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 mentioned a couple of different things as far as, 
you know, the individual making the decision to apply, you know, what I think the listeners heard right there is you just went into such great depth of things that if you're a, if you're a title person, if you're just seeking the title of head football coach, like, and you don't do all of the preparation, you don't look into the backgrounds. I hear so many people, you know, man, I thought, I, I thought the interview went so well, you know, what, what could I do differently? Well, when you're comparing yourself to people who come in that have invested the time to really look into the community, look into the school district, the all of, from the, the little things to the big things, well, well there's your answer. You, you know, you're getting outshined by somebody who's not just seeking a title. They're looking for a place to live and, and right. to build their career. That's a huge difference. And mm-hmm. I see in interviews so many times people just, uh, they apply for the job well, they don't do the legwork from from application to interview to to set themselves right. apart. Um, so that's really because I know how this process went for for you uh, in, in in my search. Uh, that's the the intentionality of these questions are to help those that are seeking uh, jobs and and how to stand out from the rest. Really. Okay, so let's. Right. Let's move on. What do you think is the most important piece of advice for people walking into the interview room? And, and I'm going to, I might suggest to you, kind of, you might back up even, I should have done this a little differently, but you might include kind of the pre-interview and, and what you did ahead of coming in that day. Are you with me? Are you talking about when the, the, the car, the, the stuff you sent me, all that stuff? Yeah, the, the cards that you sent me to make sure that the committee had all the, the, the real prep to before you even walked into the room, people knew who you were type right. of thing. Right. So, yeah, there was, you know, the cards and um, different things we sent that had the, uh, basically it was a snapshot portfolio type deal, but it was on a little, a large index size card, right, on one of them. Yeah. And it was a, basically a breakdown, a reminder of everything from, from background in the profession to values, um, to strengths, you know, and it was just on the back of that card, but including family pictures, things like that, going ahead and making the connection there. Um, and, and I'm trying to remember exactly what all I sent you, Jay, but I mean, we had the, I had the documents I sent out, the packet I sent out that was already Robinson addressed, um, things of that nature that were prepared ahead of time because I wanted everyone, I didn't want it to be where I want everything to be in, and you know, this is my favorite word, but being, I wanted everything to be intentional mm. um, so that when I came in, it wasn't like I was just giving an answer and it was the first thing off the top of my head. Like any of those answers that I gave, you were going to find something about it in that packet. You were going to find find it on that reference card, uh, that quick reference card. And then, you know, I had the um, I had the uh, debit card, yeah, that the we debit handed card. Out at the end as well. Uh, yeah, I had the debit card that we handed out at the end as well. And uh Within that you debit actually card, those, every you, single number on that debit card means something. Yeah, yeah. You actually sent me the the postcard, which is that four by six, and it's exactly yep. what you said. It was it's it's mm-hmm. pictures. It it let us know who uh, the Ludlow family was, who Mike Ludlow, the coach, was. It it was the four by six. I'm pretty sure it was front and back laminated. It, it was the full deal. Yeah. And then you actually sent the the, the debit card as well. So I was super curious what it meant because yes. then you, you, you didn't tell me. So, yeah. Cause you tried to ask me what it meant. And I told you, you'd <laughs> yeah, find out. I'll when find I got out. <laughs> and we did it at the end. 
but uh yeah sent that stuff man yeah the the pictures and then it had what we were gonna you know what we were about on the front of it basically a little quick like almost like a a, a driving factor motto you know mm-hmm. and then on the back it was the quick breakdown and then the debit card and uh yeah and then you know just following it up afterwards you know trying to personalize them sending back all the postcards afterwards you know and kind of reaffirming and readdressing things from the uh from the interview process stuff like that you know yeah just those are those are things you can go back into yeah so okay so that was the the pre-interview stuff so then i'm gonna get back to the original question what do you think is the most important piece of advice for people walking into the interview room let's say they don't do all that or or they do but now they're they're about to walk in and and sit down for this important interview yeah, I, I'm man. This is the easy one for me. Um, talking about just being intentional and being direct. I think that you just have to have confidence in being yourself. Yeah. Too many people want to go in the room and say what they think everybody wants them to say. Well, here's the problem with that. If you walk in the room with a lot of these canned responses of what you think everybody wants you to say, you're going to half-heartedly do those things because they're not actually what you wanted. They're what you think someone else wanted. So I think that you have to have confidence in being yourself. And if the people in that room, if they don't want who you truly are, then it's not going to be a good fit anyway. Yep. You know, I mean, it's just not. So I think you have to have confidence in being yourself. And I mean, during, during the interview, I think you need to be a real person and not just a robot up there answering questions. You need to be able to create some conversation, you know, to an extent, not driving it off course or anything, right. but create some conversation don't just answer questions because I think that the feedback when you create those conversations, I think that the feedback that you get from the committee or the interview panel, even if it's not a direct question, if it's just how they respond to something you're saying or how they respond to you in a certain way, I think that feedback you get in that scenario, I think it's just as important for you as what the answers that you're giving and how you present that yourself are to them. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think it- yeah, body language is is huge, and I think it speaks to the confidence mm-hmm. in you because it's not only huge for the body language that you're reading from the panel, but it's also the body language that you're setting off or sending out. Um, and yeah. it, you know, everybody is looking at that as much as the as much as the interviewee is looking at the panel and and trying to read body language, uh, they are looking at you one hundred percent of the time. Um, so yeah, oh yeah, hugely important to remember that as well. But yeah, think, but if you come in confident, it's not a it's not a bother because you're gonna you're gonna have that confident body language as well. Yes, you know, come in, shake everyone's hand, look them in the eye, and when you get ready to get on the don't don't even sit down in your chair until you've taken everything out of your bag that you need out of your bag, whether it's an extra copy of packets, whether it's a tablet, whether it's a pen, take everything out of your bag, set it on the desk, and I mean it's it's kind of like you're almost kind of controlling the room of when you're ready to start that thing, you know, and it's showing, showing that you're, you're confident in what you're doing. And then once you sit down, feet flat on the floor, big chest. And when you get to a point that you really want to drive home, lean into it. When I say lean into it, I mean, you know, get, get a little more intense with your, get a little more intense with your voice and your inflection and then lean your body, lean your body into that, into that answer too. I mean, move, move a little bit towards that, that table, that committee. Yeah. Do you remember, did I, it, it, did I put you on the whiteboard during that that interview? Yes. <laughs> yes. Have you ever gone through that where you where you've had to kind of chalk talk for the people? 
Yes, I have you before. Have? I have okay. um, once or, I have once or twice before, but it's honestly, man, most of those interviews have nothing to do with the X and O of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't put you up there. So it's kind of entertaining to me. You know, you're they're hiring you to do a job that they don't put you up on the board and ask you specifically about on some aspects of it. Yeah. So my most recent go around, um, I, I did not do that, but I we had three. I had a solo and then two um, two additional uh, interviews. So uh, really three levels of it. But I, I love putting people on the on the board. And I did it for, uh, the year before you got there, I did it for the basketball job as well. Um, you would be surprised. And I don't know if you've ever done this to somebody in an interview where you're, you're leading the interview. Um, it is so interesting how many people are uncomfortable chalk talking a job that they're seeking as the, in this case, the head football job. I I would say we interviewed Mm -hmm. eight people. I would say half of them were not comfortable on the board. And the the question That's really, crazy. it's extremely crazy uh, because you should, it, it was such a softball question. I just wanted them to make me believe that they knew what they were doing, really. To be perfectly honest with you, I think I asked you, you had the liberty to, to do really whatever you wanted, but I, I think I said basically, uh-huh. you know, run us through, you know, your three base plays, whatever, something like that. Yep. Um Yep. should be the easiest thing in the world, but it, I want to know if you're comfortable doing that. Cause if you're not comfortable doing that, then there's probably going to be holes somewhere else. Uh, you'd be shocked Absolutely. at how uncomfortable people get with that, that simple of a question. And, and, and really they own the board. It's not something that they haven't done. If they're the yeah. OC, you know, they're, they're doing it every day on the, on the whiteboard in the coach's office. If they're the DC, they still know the you know three base offenses uh, be, because they got to defend them. So it, it's really very very yep. simple, but it messes people up. I, it's oh, it so, is, man. It's I so wish, surprising. I wish, I wish all questions would be lobbed up like those because that's that's like the that's the never ending fun part of our situation, right? And yeah. So I was when I was interviewing defensive coordinators when I came in here, I put them up on the board, and it was funny because. You know, I would give them, I gave them like a simple directive and, uh, I, you know, I'd, I'd tell them like, Hey, give me a, give me an 11 personnel offensive set, line up your base defense to it. And then I'll tell you where I want you to move them to for a check. And they would, some guys would draw an 11 personnel set up there, draw their defense and just start going. Right. And I'm like, okay, good. And other guys, they'd draw it up there and be like, is this where you want this guy? Is this where you want this guy? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just told you to draw an 11 personnel set. You don't have to try to make me happy. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're interviewing for the de- the defensive coordinator job, so let's let's it's time to bring it, bud. Right. Um, yeah, I, exactly. I love it. So if you're going to interview with me now, you, I say that, and and it and it may not happen because it didn't in this last one, but it, you know it, it was a little different scenario, and but you are probably going to have to chalk talk some with me. I, I just I love it. And, and if you don't chalk talk, you're going to, you're going to be asked some X's and O's stuff. And, and really it's for me to, to see the comfort level in you talking about it. And it's probably going to be the only, one of the yeah. only football I'm not, or, or whatever sports specific stuff. I'm, I'm going to spend a whole lot of time in my questioning on leadership, uh, personal development type of stuff. I want to know character, 
uh, growth minded, uh, just stuff along those lines. But I also want to know your comfort level when mm-hmm. just talking about your sport. Um, and yeah, like if you're interviewing for a head job, you better be able to talk about that job. So that's right. Yeah. Okay. You have conquered the interview now and, and you're getting the phone call, the, the job offer. What's the next step in the process for you? Uh, other than getting as much money yeah, so as I you think, can. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, as I said, negotiations are given, you know. Uh, it was funny. I, I still remember mine and your talk that night, but uh, it was all happening so quick at that point. Yeah, well, but, um, you, you know. Negotiations are given. I, I say that. They might not. It might not be a given to some people. I think you would think that that people might expect or anticipate. Hey, we're going to negotiate here, but I don't know that that's a hundred percent true. And that people in the head football campus coordinator slash athletic director world understand that there are certain negotiations. Because keep in mind, a lot of people are teacher coaches, and so that comes with a set salary right. based on their ladder, and then a set stipend. So. Kind of just yeah. talk about maybe that night a little bit. And you don't have to go into details, but you kind of talk yeah. about the a, a little bit of what that looks like for people. Yeah, so when you do talk about the negotiations, I mean, there's a lot of different things that go into it. You know, there's there's length of contract, there's salary, there's, uh, you know, you may be talking about cell phone allowances, moving allowances, um, just there's a, there's a million different things that could go into it, right? And when you, when you start looking at it, you really got to make sure that, cause you, you want to know what was, you want to know what the range was going into it. You want to know what someone was paid before you, but at the same time, you know, you kind of have to have that in your mind of this is what I need to get to. And you got to figure out which pieces and which parts of that are, are important to you. You know, is it the salary? Is it the length of contract? Is it the, is it the allowances? I mean, there, there's things you got to decide on cause you may not get all of it. Right. So, you know, don't, don't go, you, you go in and try to try to get what you can get on, as far as that goes. I know that sounds bad, but you do need to try to get what you can get. Yeah. But at the same time, you need to figure out which pieces of it are important to you and which ones that you really want to try to drive home and that are, that are your sticking ground, you know, kind of like your Waterloo, because it's like at a certain point, there, there's certain things that are important to you that you need to, they need to know are also important to you. And if they're willing to work with you on this, even if you don't get exactly where you need to get to, if they're willing to work with you, it goes a long way to seeing just how much they want to try to get you there. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you an example without, without sharing a, a ton of details, but I think this is important for people to understand, especially people that have uh, spouses that are also in education uh, because they're going to be coming with you. Yes. And, and you and I have that in common. Uh, yes. So I have in the last uh, several years, had had two moves. Um, the first move was to Robinson from Grapevine Colleyville. So Rochelle was obviously going to come with me. And as part of looking into the district and, and deciding, okay, when do we want to apply for this? We knew that, that Rochelle was going to take a hit as a teacher, you know, moving to Robinson. That, that was clear because we, we knew what the ladder was. Uh, so we knew what, what we needed from my standpoint to essentially break even and make the move worth it. Um, now the, that move right. to me was going to be worth it because, you know, I was advancing in the career and going from an assistant AD to, to an AD. So for me, that, that piece of, of the career ladder was more important than the total salary. As long as we didn't lose money. 
And, and so I think, and our, yes. our move there, I think we gained probably as a household, 2,500 bucks. Um, not, not significant, not yeah, terrible, but, exactly. but it, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a wash move, uh, except for the career piece. Um, and then, you know, moving down here, it was, was a completely different setup. Like th there wasn't a, just a ton of negotiation, uh, negotiating going on. Um, you know, the, it just, it was, it was a good fit and, you know, you, you get to a point in your career where, um, you, you, you know, the people that you work for and, and, you know, clearly I was new down here, mm -hmm. so I didn't necessarily know them, but I, I trust my gut and I, I liked, you know, my initial read on not just the superintendent, but, uh, his cabinet actually was the interview panel. Um, and, and the, well, part of his cabinet and then the two high school principals. And so I got a, a real quick look into the people that I would be working with, um, really daily or weekly. Um, and then had a long conversation th then with the superintendent. So, you know, th there are just other pieces mm -hmm. to it that, that become more important overall. But if, you know, you're a fool, if, if you put your family in a bind, so you have to have some level of, right. of terms, so to speak. And I would say that I did more negotiating with w going to Robinson, but it, even still, it wasn't hardball negotiating. Uh, it was, you know, right. here, here's, here's what we're moving for, uh, from, from Grapevine Colleyville to Robinson and, uh, you know, and, and much like your, your negotiation, I you know I was in on that and, you know, it was a little bit back and forth and then, <laughs> you know, and then, okay, we're good. Let's get to work. What, when you want me here type of thing. So exactly. it, it is interesting. I would tell you if you're, if you're in the. Uh, position where you're where you're looking for that first head football coach job, campus coordinator, or uh, head football slash AD, or just you know a standalone AD, and you've not been in that world before. I, I would reach out to somebody who has done it, uh, just so that you understand what mm -hmm. it what that process is going to look like and what those negotiations look like. Most ADs are probably well. I said not. I'm going to take that back. Um, if you've been a head football coach, campus coordinator, you've probably been through that a little bit more so that if you're going into that head, uh, AD role only, you've probably experienced that. If you're coming from an assistant AD, uh, if you're coming from, you know, coaching a, another sport and somehow or another, you know, jumping directly into the athletic director role, you probably have not experienced negotiating. Because I, I will tell you that it was not part of any part of the assistant AD. It's more like an assistant principal. There, there's a there's some sort of uh, blind salary there. Uh, good luck in finding that. But you know, it, it's not like a teacher. <laughs> it's not like your teacher pay scale. And, and there might be some minor That's negotiating, right. but it's it's it, not like this. So I would reach out to somebody who's been there and done that, and, and probably even m multiple people, so that you have different experience levels. Uh, to that because it is it's interesting yeah uh but it's not something just to you know go crazy about uh just make make it work for your family uh, make sure it makes sense to you makes sense to them and, and it'll all be good it, it doesn't take a long time i think we did it and what w would you say we total conversations back and forth that night f 15 to no more than 30 minutes 
Yeah, definitely. But but in definitely. I think there was a, a, at yeah. least two different phone calls, maybe three. So um, something like that. That's yeah. my recollection. Um, yeah. So. And I think you hit the nail on the head, Jay, with uh, talking about family involved and everything else, because it really doesn't. I. You said it perfect when you talk about not making it just about your salary. It's about your family, and when you when you work through that, there's a there's a total number you know you have to hit, right? right. Or you have to get close to that for your family. And it may be a point where if your your wife's teaching too, that the teacher pay may be better there than it was where you were coming from. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you can still get to where you need to get to without your pay having to be quite as high. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's one of those things as a family you just have to work out. But on top of everything else with it, I would. I would just tell people, you know, don't, don't take a job. Don't accept a job out of excitement of getting the offer to, you know, like things kind of change for you once it's offered and it kind of gets real in a hurry. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of know that they want to do it by the time it gets there, but don't just take it out of excitement. You know, my, I mean, process everything, make sure with your family, if you need to take them there, cause that's what I did with you. You know, I said, Hey, I, I need to bring my family. We neg- went in and negotiated. I said, I need to bring my family down tomorrow morning again, and we'll we'll go from there. Yeah. And uh, we brought the family down, and we went through it, and we just wanted to be certain about it with us, you know? Yep. Yeah, Our, ours was a little bit unique, <laughs> or a lot unique. Uh, yeah, it was. We, we were, yes. yeah, we were, we were trying to get it done before Christmas, and I think, did, r- remind me, did you interview the day that we got out for Christmas break and y'all came down that Saturday, or was it that week that you... Uh, no, maybe it was, it was a uh, Thursday and y'all came down on I think Friday. It was, it was, it was a Thursday and came down on Friday. Yeah. Either way, it was the, it was the week we were getting out for Christmas, but we were, we were in, in the boat and, 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 you know, listen, uh, some, some interviews will be like this and some will, will come back. But the, our, the position we were in is we were looking to have somebody in place by the time we came back from Christmas break. Um, our goal was, was to figure it out. And, and I've told you this before, and I think we talked about it on the mastermind. Um, I, I, I really wanted to interview six people. I thought that was a good number for us. I, I thought that was my upper end. Uh, we, we settled on eight. <laughs> and, and sometimes you just listen to your bosses and it's fine. Um, and I would tell you that, <laughs> that number eight uh, for me, in all after all that was said and done, a- adding those two people, one of them made it into my top four. Now, you, you know uh, how this plays out. We we didn't end up having a um, a round two, but going into lunchtime, doing half of them in the morning and the other half in the afternoon, uh, we talked at lunchtime like there's no way we're not going to have a round two. Uh, we had pretty pretty strong. Uh, interview candidates. We felt pretty good about what had come across that morning. Um, and I think you were two after lunchtime. And then I, I believe there were either one or two after yeah. you. So was, you were somewhere in that, in that, I don't know, sixth or seventh person. And, and that, and that was the difference maker. Not, you know, not to blow you up, but from a panel perspective and from an AD perspective, like when you know, you know, um, and, and, of course, I had some background because we had some common people, but you and I had never met officially other than, you know, on a, on a Zoom and on the Elite Mastermind. But I had, you know, people like Randy Jackson, Eric Luster. I'm trying to think. I think those were the two that I, I spoke to mostly uh, because, you know, you had worked with or for each of them. And so I had people that I trusted that knew you. 
And then, of course, I have the pre-interview. Then we have the interview. And, and so that's why I say, you know, you better come ready and not just be title searching because there's people that are looking to, to really do this thing. And, and that's what sets people apart yep. in these big roles. So, um, so yeah, we, once we knew and, and, and when we brought dinner in that night and, and we were going to sit as a committee and really talk about it. And then we broke it down and, and decided there was not a need in a, in a round two. So that's when we start negotiating with you to figure out, okay, is he in? Because if not, now let's let's look at who we we put in, you know, in that two, three, four spot, and and look at bringing them back for a round two. Of course, we didn't have to do that, um, but the timing of all of that yeah, would have been difficult because uh, we would have had to do that going into Christmas break, or do you wait? And that's not the reason that we didn't go. You know, you accepted the job, so it 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 allowed us to move fast. But <laughs> uh, but then there was also that necessity to move fast because we had to work not only to get you in, but then we had to work with your your outgoing district as well to get you out of there. So it, there's a lot of moving pieces, yeah. and that's the yeah. problem with this time of year. If you're hiring right now, the pro is you want to get your guy in so that that person and and his team can start working with kids pretty dang uh, soon and you know immediately that's the pro yes the con is you're up against some some real windows of time that are obstacles and that's thanksgiving break but more specifically christmas break how how quickly do you come out of thanksgiving break and start really diving into round one because if you're planning on round two you got to get it that turned around pretty quick if you want to have it done before christmas Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it was interesting and eye opening, uh, but in the end, you know, it all worked out. Yeah. I remember y'all calling me that night and I, uh, my first response was, <laughs> Oh wow, that's fast. That was so, fast. I thought y'all were bringing a couple back and your, ex- your exact response was, well, when you know, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I don't mess around. Like I, I believe and trust in my gut on a lot of things and you know, we, we've talked about my process on, on the mastermind and I do folders and I still do folders. I, I did them for, for the last one Yep. and <laughs> I just believe in it. And I know a lot before, just like, just like you as the interviewee knows a lot about us coming in or, or, or you should me as the interview interviewer should know as much as possible about you before you come in. I, I just and one of those people that I want to research the people I'm bringing in before I bring them in. I don't want to just bring in the the top eight pieces of paper and then ask about them after the fact. Like that's just not how I how I work. But yeah. I think a lot of people do it that way. So if that's the case, you better make sure your paper mm-hmm. looks really dang good. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, all right, let's let's move on. Okay. Um, so you have accepted the job. All is good. All right. You're in district for the first time officially. Talk a little bit about your first meeting with the team. Uh, and then beyond that first day, what is, what does week one look like for you? Yeah. So I think going in the first thing with the team is, man, you've, you got to speak life into people. You know, you've got to, you got to be a dealer of hope is one of the terms we like to use, you know, and, um, because there, with change comes so much uncertainty and everyone wants that hope. They want that feeling of, man, look, we're doing the right thing and we're going the right direction. And 
when you go into that, I think it's real, real important that when you go in, you definitely give the team and the staff and when you have your staff meeting and you have your team meeting, you give them the vision, but you don't have to be like 100% exact nailed down on the process yet. Because the bottom line is, is you give them the vision without the exacts because every school, every team, every group, every community, they're all a little different, you know? So you got, you have the vision of, of what you're working towards and where you want this thing to go. The process is going to be, is going to be laid out as you start figuring out the dynamic of the staff, the dynamic of the town, the school, the community, the kids, all of it. So I think you give the vision without the exacts in the first, you know, I, I, I have a, a story that I, that I gave when I came here and kind of got the kids to start understanding that, you know, we're, we're all in this together type deal. Um, and then we started building the, the exacts as we went along. In the first couple of weeks, I really don't want to go in and just absolutely blow everything up without knowing exactly what's what we've got. Um, so what I do is I like I like to see for the first week to two, depending on how long it takes me to figure it out. I, I like to see the staff work with the kids, the kids work with the staff, uh, kids work with each other, and the staff work with each other. And I want to see them interact with each other. I want to see them, you know, help each other. I want to see them go through some stuff, and uh, and, and and some workouts or some things that we're doing that are more general to them. So I kind of let them do their thing that first week, but I'll start imposing things of like structure of lines or how we're going to start workouts or different responses we'll have to things, you know, uh, how we start our daily processes, things like that. But within the workout, we keep it, we'll keep it pretty general that first couple of weeks so that I can see those, those guys and those kids work together with, uh, work together within a comfortable atmosphere. And then I kind of know what I've got with them. I, I can kind of see who the, who the ones are that are really pouring in, who the ones are that are more of a lead by example, who your, you know, who your kind of rule with an iron fist people are, who your team leaders are, the ones that speak up. You can start seeing a lot in people and then you can start placing that within the process that you want to go about. You can start placing those people into roles that you know are going to work best for the program and not just come in there as an egotistical dictator and try to just blow it all up just because you want to blow it up. I think you got to know what you got before you start building it again. Yeah. Well, uh, I think Coach Ludlow, I think this is a great time to kind of leave a leave the people with a cliffhanger. And you know, we you started now talk. We've we've talked about getting the job, coming in day one, week one, really seeing everything and, and taking it all in. I think when we come back next week, I'd like to then dive into program building, building core values. Like, what's what's the program the team gonna be about? And so I think this is a great place yeah. to say, uh, see you next week. And, and then we're going to, we're going to pick up where we left off right here and really get into the, uh, the meat of, of program building, uh, next Wednesday. So I appreciate you, man. And uh, we'll talk next week. 